Pro. I'm your host, Dalton Barrett, a.k.a. Barrett Digital. And I'm Josh Clements, or Brit Edit, and this episode is sponsored by your favorite 90s sitcom, Around. Three children get adopted by no one, and they get into these wacky adventures wherein no father figure is available to help them. That was beautiful, Josh. Just by the way, I want you to know you've been you've been telling me like I've got a sponsor for this episode. You've been telling me that for like a week, and I was like, <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. And it lived up to my expectations. Wow, I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> I uh, I got the idea because there's, there's a post on Reddit at the moment where someone took the intro to Horsing Around. And they edited Bojack out of it completely, and it's it's wonderful. Oh, that sounds amazing. Around. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and shoot you the link in a bit, but yeah. Uh, so if you don't know, we're talking about Bojack Horseman today, obviously. This is our Bojack Horseman series-wide retrospective. We're going to try and save our spoilers for like the last minute or so, so we'll give a warning there. So if you haven't seen the show... There may be some minor spoilers that go on in here, but nothing major. We are going to try to convince you to watch the show, though, uh, because you absolutely should if you haven't seen it. It is one of the best television series of all time. I don't know that there's any arguing that. It's certainly certainly one of my favorite. Um, You can't deny that it's certainly one of the best written shows of all time. Right, and that's... Uh. And just the approach to it... Um, there's a there's a video that was online of the actors saying goodbye to their characters, um, which was just this beautiful little video of all of the different actors from the show saying goodbye to the characters that they've been playing for seven years, and and they even said even the actors when they signed on to do the pilot didn't know what this show was going to become, and as a viewer, as you're watching it, you also don't know what this show is going to become. Um, you start it off and it just seems like kind of a goofy, normal adult comedy that's cartoon. But then each episode gets a little deeper and a little deeper and it's uh, finally by about halfway through season one, you know that this show isn't isn't The Simpsons and it's it's completely different from anything you've ever seen. And it really is... I can't think of another show to compare to this one because this one is, it's probably the most realistic character study I think I've ever seen on TV. And the fact that I'm saying that about a TV show that's main character is a horseman is that that's, that's the crazy part. They were able to get away with a lot of stuff that a lot of normal shows wouldn't have because their main character is an animal and there's animals living in this world and it's a cartoon. So they were able to get away with more things because of that, which I think is just, it's, it is as good as everyone says it is. No, absolutely. And the thing is, uh, what Don said about like at first, I always say at first, it does just seem like a typical sort of, uh, almost family guy kind of comedy, you know, slightly adult animated, a uh, couple of visual gags and, uh, <laughs> A couple of good rhymes, but um, it, it like the show dives really deep and gets quite dark at some points in the series. Um, but like the the show goes from, I think early in season one, stealing a meal from Neil McBill, the Navy Seal, who is an actual seal, by the way. <laughs> we gotta we gotta specify that yeah. Neil McBill is a he's a Navy Seal, but he's an actual seal, like the animal seal, and his name is Neil McBill. And you don't steal a meal from Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL. Like, it's just, like, that kind of stuff is great. And that stuff never ends, either. But... That, that keeps going. But, like, it goes from... <laughs> the show goes from that to a woman dealing with postpartum depression. Right. <laughs> it's just... It's so... It's so well written. Um, we, I don't think either of us are going to be able to get that through to you enough. It is... 
like I so after the show finished, I know Don, you went on a binge of the entire thing again. I did. I rewatched um, through from from episode one to the finale. After I watched the the final season, I just immediately started it back up and watched all the way through, which was the best decision I could have made. Watching this show in its entirety, uh, from beginning to end, was really really neat. Uh, because it is such a good show and it is so well written and things that are happening in season one are paying off in the final season like stuff that you've forgotten about is now being paid off in this final season and it's just it's crazy that they were able to to do what they did and even there's some stuff that it's crazy that they were able to get away with doing what they did you know I don't want to go into any oh, yeah. specifics but they got away with some stuff that they absolutely shouldn't have and uh, the voice cast is another thing that's that's really good. Um, Will Arnett as BoJack Horseman that that will forever be the character that I think of when I hear his voice, just for the rest of my life. Uh, Todd Chavez played by Aaron Paul. Um, it was it was really weird because I um, between sort of season uh, season six was released in two parts essentially at least the first half of the season then the latter half. And in that time, I watched, I binged the entirety of Breaking Bad and uh, El Camino. And it's really weird going from Breaking Bad, where Aaron Paul delivers these like really heartfelt, just fantastic performances as a drug dealer. And then going right back to Bojack Horseman, where he's just a stoner living on someone's couch. Right. <laughs> it's, and it's so perfect. Everyone in this class is so perfect. Um, you've got Amy, Amy Sedaris as Princess Carolyn, and she is... <laughs> did you ever know the reason behind her tongue twisters? Uh, I, I don't, but I do want to make a comment after you, after you give that reasoning. Basically, she said, uh, I think one of the writers overheard that she doesn't like doing tongue twisters, and so they just kept on writing harder and harder ones for her to do in the show, just as a little, like, inside joke. And there are some doozies, too. Like, <laughs> like... She so so one of the things that she does if you haven't seen the show is she goes off on these little tongue twisting tangents, and like stealing a meal from Neil McBeal the Navy Seal, and and it happens like every time she's on the screen and it's incredible, and I that's another character I it'll probably be most of the characters on this list but whenever I see her in you know whatever she's in you know uh, most recently i saw her in a in a tv commercial but even when i saw her like in the mandalorian and that kind of stuff it's like i just hear princess carolyn i don't see her as a person anymore i hear princess carolyn because that voice is so iconic with that character and um the the one i think it's worth worst with is uh kristen Schiel, uh who played sarah lynn uh who's one of the main characters and like with her like every time I hear her in something that's not BoJack Horseman, I just instantly think of BoJack Horseman. And it's, it's really weird watching Gravity Falls after BoJack Horseman. Right. <laughs> so I guess we should start by giving. Well, start. We're ten minutes in. I guess we should give somewhat of a um, a rundown of the show. Kind of what is the basic idea? What is the plot? Uh, it, essentially, it's the uh, the life of Bob Saget. Uh, but less successful. A uh, few more, a few, a few uh, less, less drug references than Bob Saget's real life. Well, that's that's true. Yeah, that's right. Bob Saget's married now and stuff, so it's you can't really compare it to him. Why don't you go ahead and just <laughs> run us, <laughs> run us through the plot? Uh, spoiler free, just the overarching plot of the show. Okay, so essentially the show follows uh, a washed-up '90s sitcom star as he, you know, navigates Hollywood life or Hollywood life as just himself you know he hasn't had a proper working acting job in years uh, everyone knows him because of that one show he did in the 1990s and he's just trying to find his way through life and trying to gain back a bit of the relevancy that he used to have right and over the course of that he uh he books some other gigs and he does some other things and so you've got this seven year chunk to follow this washed up depressed drunk 90s sitcom actor and it's just a it's just a character study about his life. Now he happens to be a horse, yes, but it's it's just him. It, it, you know, these are the wacky adventures of BoJack Horseman, but it's told in a way where it's 
it's they can they can deal with his depression or they can deal with his alcoholism and they can really really go into detail about how that affects him and and about you know his outcome from that and how he deals with that and and it's just so so neat and it's such a beautiful little picture of what I'm Obviously, I don't work in the Hollywood scene. I live as far away as you could possibly live from Hollywood and still be I, in America. Uh, I would, I would, I would say that I'd probably live a bit further. Well, Josh, that's why I said and still be in America. Anyway, <laughs> you don't know where I am. So I might be, I might be in Florida for all you know. Well, then why you got to come up to the the studio? We'll just we'll lay one down. If you're in Florida, but anyway, so I don't know that scene, but you you do hear celebrities who talk about this show and are like, yeah, this is a big part of what it's like here. You know, you you don't work for a while, and and that leads to depression because when you don't have a job, uh, when you don't have a structure, when you don't have that sort of thing, that can lead to bouts of depression and that sort of thing, and and that's what this show deals with. And you can always see when when. When, when Bojack is working on something and when he's doing something, he's happier and and his mood gets better and the show gets less dark for a little bit and then he'll get it fired from darker. the job or he'll, you know, it'll end or whatever and then it just gets darker and it it's, it's so realistic in how it deals with all of these things. It, it has no business being this good. I guess is all I can say about about that. Uh, uh, you hear mothers who have actually dealt with postpartum depression talk about that little arc, and it's like they're like, "Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like, or exactly what it looked like." And you have neurologists who are watching the show and 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 see the episode about uh, Alzheimer's, and are like, "Yeah, no, that's probably as close to a visual representation of Alzheimer's as we will ever get on a TV show." It's like stuff like that. Yeah. This is a show about a horse, you know? Like, it has no business taking things this seriously. It has no business being as good as it is, but I'm so happy it exists. Um, and the whole thing is just so good. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Well, okay. I'll, I'll say this. That, um, every... Every single thing in the show, every character, every setting, every scene, every word has a purpose. There's not a single piece of wasted time or dialogue. And there's like, the, everything is in top form here. Uh, every actor is giving it their all. Every writer is doing a fantastic job. Two of my favorite episodes from the last two seasons are called The View From Halfway Down and Free Churro. And Free Churro in particular is just, it's Will Arnett on a soundstage speaking for 30 minutes. And it's one of the most engaging, captivating and moving things I've ever seen. And what, what makes it even better is in the episode beforehand, one episode before, uh, Bojack Horseman, the character, is talking to someone who goes, TV is a visual medium, there is no need for that much talking. And it's stuff like that that just makes the show so good. They, they don't like... Okay. I don't like kind of talking bad about uh, other shows, but I'm going to talk about the CW here for a minute. <laughs> and of course! <laughs> I know that these are two very different sort of shows, but for the sake of it, they're both trying to tell stories about characters. They're both trying to push forward arcs and change and represent certain things. At least we would hope. They try. <laughs> we would we hope, hope that they're they trying try. to tell stories about characters. That would be what's that would be what's <laughs> important about TV. The, the the thing that I would say separates Bojack Horseman from most of this other TV medium is a lot of TV medium have bottle episodes. They have filler episodes. They have episodes where we don't really know. We don't really we have a twenty two episodes order, but we have three episodes where we can't think of anything to push the story forward. So we'll just, you know, fill in with bulk stuff. Uh, nothing really happens, but it's a fun episode. And I don't think that there's any of that in Bojack Horseman. Every episode does something, whether it's to advance a situation, whether it's to uh, represent a change in a character. Um, Bojack Horseman has this wonderful sort of uh, juxtaposition to itself, 
So I can't remember. Do you remember what season uh, the underwater episode is? Season three. So in season three, you have an episode that has, I think, maybe three lines of dialogue in total at the beginning. And then that's it. There's what? no other dialogue for the rest of the episode. It's entirely a visual medium. And then you've got Free Chiro in season five, which is entirely like vocal. It's that's it. There's no point in having you could listen to that as a podcast. It is a and podcast. That whole episode is they, a podcast. It's And the fact the fact that the show has the ability to do that with the writers and the actors, let alone is one thing. But to have them both push forward the character of Bojack Horseman in an insanely advanced way is something else. It's no, we, 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 we don't want to talk a lot about the writing because it's well, close that's to perfect, if not perfect. That's the standout thing. The acting is great. the The animation is 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 pretty. I mean, it's good animation. It's nothing special. Uh, it, it's there's, innovative. There's a few shots that like are just magnificent. Right. Um. But it's creative. Um. But it doesn't do anything new, really. There. The acting is good. I mean, it's great, but it's nothing really new. We've seen good acting and good voice acting before. But what really stands out as being different than probably anything else I've ever seen is the the writing. I mean, the writing is... I, when I say that I can't think of another show to compare this to, it's because I can't think of another show that's as well written. Uh, maybe something like your your you know because I've I've been watching through Better Call Saul, and and that is very similar in the way it handles characters. It treats their characters as real people instead of on screen you know just representations. And BoJack Horseman does that. Um, BoJack Horseman has a little more dark comedy to it than Better Call Saul does, but but that that idea of treating your characters as real people and when you put them in situations don't say well how do we get them out of this situation say how would a real person react to this situation and that's what they do so well with bojack horseman they they put him into a situation or a situation forms around him and within the confines of this world that they've created which is a little quirky you know but within the confines of this world they've created, they're able to then say, how is he going to react to, as a person, how is he going to react to what is happening around him? Which is great. Because most shows, the idea is, you take this world, you take this character, you put them in a situation, and then you just write a way for them to get out of the situation. Their character doesn't grow, their character doesn't change, doesn't even really react to what's going on. Um, not that that that's just the norm. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's just the even even great shows. You know, even something. Menu we talked extensively a few episodes back about the Mandalorian and how much we love the Mandalorian. But even that show, the writers put their character in a situation, and right away for him to get out of the situation. His character doesn't grow. His character doesn't change. Uh, but but with something like BoJack, that's never the case. It's never the, just um, how how does he well, get out. It's always how is he affected. The, the someone I I was actually just kind of thinking about was how, you know, they even poke fun at the tip uh, the typical TV formula. They they say I can't remember when, but they say like, TV teaches you that everything can be wrapped up in a neat thirty minute bow, and then in this show that never happens you know well and that's uh, that's specifically at the the 90s television sitcom kind of yeah, kind of yeah. thing that this is drawn from uh, they they poke a lot of fun at that because it is and you've got a lot of people who were who were raised on those shows who were adults today and those shows had a huge impact on them and so their thinking like that is like that and the way they view relationships is based around these 90s sitcoms and the way they view how how you know how they should react to situations is based around this and it touches on that uh, not in a, a way lot of people are raised by tv right and that's just kind of a thing not not in a way that's making fun uh, of those people and that stuff but in a way that's it's like yeah you know you let that stuff have such an impact on you and you really probably shouldn't because it's not the way that the real world works but even even beyond that like you know they mentioned that and then in the in the actual show 
the repercussions of actions hang on for ages. Like, there's an episode where Bojack's house gets trashed by a party. Yes. And it remains trashed for episodes and episodes because in real life, that's not what happens. When something happens, it doesn't get resolved by the next day and then that's it. You know, everything's good. It's, you know, that, that last impact's gonna keep on going. And even, even between characters, like something that I really like about Bojack Horseman, which uh, is, it, it kind of brings it closer to reality. Uh, and it, it, you know, it makes the show sad and dark and whatnot. But the reason I like it is because not everything has a happy ending. Bojack's relationships with people are sometimes permanently ended. Right. Uh, some people just flat out don't get a happy ending. They get sad. They get, you know, bad things happen to them because that's kind of life. Bad things are going to happen to you. It's just how you deal with those bad things. Some people... Determines the rest of it. Who, who Bojack genuinely care about just go away and and that that doesn't happen in tv you don't see that because you want your characters to be happy you want them to have a happy ending where they can um they can go off and things can be fixed when they're broken and and things can be corrected but that's the show acknowledges that that's not life and i i respect this show so much for that because it literally it literally just literally just says sometimes things don't go your way and there are consequences to the things that you do and your your actions have consequences no matter what you do no matter what you say there's a there's a quote by one of the characters Todd and he goes you can't just keep doing bad things and then apologizing for those bad things and thinking that you're bl- blaming those bad things on other people in other situations, at some point you just have to accept the fact that you're just a bad person. And and that's a paraphrase, obviously. I don't remember the exact quote, but that's that's true, you know? Like, there are people who will blame the... There are people who are just bad people, and they blame that on the influence they've had from elsewhere, but it's really just them. They just suck, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, they, they, I mean, the show covers it too. They covered the idea of bad families, bad parenting, coming from bad home life, and they say like, okay, yeah, that sucks, and I'm sorry that that happened to you. But ultimately, you aren't what your parents made you. You are yourself. You are what you want to be. But you need to make that change. Uh, the one of the probably I'd say most famous quotes from the show is, "It gets harder, but you do it every day." Right. That's well, and and like, it's. That's not a popular thing to say. And I know that that's the, it's always, nobody ever has anything good to say when they say that's not a popular thing to say today, but it isn't because people don't, uh, you know, taking responsibility for things like, like that, you know, when something bad happens, it's, it's usually someone else's fault, you know? Um, and, and, and I love that this show had the nerve to say, yeah, no, sometimes things are just your fault. And you just have to suck it up and deal with the consequences of your actions. Because Again, um, Bo- Bojack talks about this in reference to the 90s sitcom thing, but like, sometimes you don't open up to people and you push them away, but then you give them this grand, grandiose action that it makes everything okay and everyone's back together again, but real life doesn't work like that. You can't just do one good thing and then expect everything to be all right. You have to be consistent, that's the key. Right. And, and I mean, how how often do you hear somebody say stuff like that in TV, you know? In a mainstream medium. That, that, that's the thing. Like, this show isn't, even, in, okay, we talk about the writing, but what the writing tells you isn't particularly revolutionary. It's things that you hear from people on day-to-day basis. But the thing that makes it different is that they're doing this on a mass platform, which isn't really done before. Um, you know, TV and movies and whatever, most most fiction or most mediums kind of aid an escapist fantasy where you watch them to get away from the realities of your real life. But this is different. This is kind of... It is. It, it feels pushing, like, like your real life, you know? This it show... It, it, genuinely, it helps you as a person. It makes you kind of reevaluate everything that you're doing. It genuinely feels like something that I could see actually happening in day-to-day life with real people 
who I know and have met, you know, and and that shouldn't be the case. You know, you shouldn't have a show that's so well written that you could literally think it's <laughs> real life, you know, shouldn't be able to I say, say. I just want to say again that this show that deals with, you know, postpartum depression, alcoholism, uh, abuse, bad parenting, abusive relationships, even going as far to talk about, um, I know it, it's it's very, I don't, I don't know if I want to say talk about, but make comments on, you know, pedophilia in the Hollywood circle. And abortion. Um, and it was touching on the Me Too movement before that was even an issue. Exactly. But and this show in which this entire thing is happening features the lines like, I would love to take down Hippopolis and finally topple the Acropolis of monstrosity, monstrous hypocrisy that encrosses us all. And that... That sentence that you just said, as ridiculous as it sounds, is about business monopolyism and and like <laughs> it's, it's about the Weinstein stuff, right? <sighs> like before the Weinstein stuff was even happening. Oh, it's just the show. Accurately, I know people talk about The Simpsons predicting real life events. This show has predicted some real life events to a scary degree. Like there was an episode that was released in season six, in which uh, assistants. The first half assistance of season six, we should Hollywood. specify. Yeah, the first half of season six, where uh, Hollywood assistants rise up and basically strike, and they say, we're not going to work unless you give us what we want. And then about three weeks after that episode released, the assistants of Hollywood actually rose up and started striking. It was faster than that, Josh. It was like maybe two weeks or, or, or maybe a week after the the, the series ended. Or, or that season aired maybe a week that this started going down. I mean, and it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but it's got that. But like, like, so the Me Too stuff that it was doing with um, with Hank Hippopopoulos and that sort of thing, talking about the Weinstein stuff and all of that that was coming out, it was breaking on this show as it was happening in real life. It's not like they were probably one of the first shows to touch on it one of the first mediums to touch on it like that which is so neat you know and it's it's it, it, and it's it doesn't do it in a dated way either that that's an important thing to to specify because you say something like that and you would think it'd be somewhat dated and it's like oh well yeah of course they talk about that now in 10 years it's not gonna and i know we can't see that terribly much but we can look at like the first season and and say well yeah the first season's not really dated so i don't know you know why I mean, the, the first season comments on stuff like even even in the jokey sense they come stuff like military entitlement and uh it's just stuff that uh, people still it, don't have the nerve that's been 10 that's been seven years ago and people still don't have the nerve to talk about some of the stuff that this show was talking about you know it, it it's it is so good. Um, I don't. I don't even know what else to talk about because it is. It's. It's a genuinely beyond saying that it's so good. We can't like right. The right. We've already commented on it. The writing, the acting, the the visuals, everything is just fantastic. I mean, even the music. Um, the main title theme, which was made by Patrick Carney of the Black Keys, is it's just a. It's basically a saxophone solo. And it's the and most it's... productive, the most productive song I've ever heard. I... It's my alarm. I wake up to that song. That's great. See, my what I do is, um, if I need to get something done, I do it to be productive. Um, and and it help it like it helps me just be more productive in my day to day life, because it's it's a great little chunk of music, especially the extended version. It just makes you want to do things better. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, but that's yeah. really good. The the music, there's a lot of like specific, there's a lot of musical gags, which are great. The one we played is the opening of the show is Why the Long Face, um, which is about a horse. There's, a, there's another joke, musical joke, which is they go back in time and it's like 2007. And they do this several times. Like there's one time where they go back to the 90s and Bojack Horseman is driving his car and he's listening to music on his radio. And it's like, generic 90s grunge song. 
and they start like like and that's beautiful but then it's not just once that comes up over the course of the next like three seasons and, and then in season six like they go back to 2007 and they're doing a 2007 pop song and it's like like this is so good <laughs> like this is a joke they they let it sit for a minute they didn't just overuse it immediately they used it like two times and then they let it sit for a couple years and then they made the joke again and it's like ah it's okay so i I just found this post by someone called the snadger on tumblr and it it details it's got six points and it's why bojack horseman is probably better than most tv shows it's got a story where a woman wants to get pregnant can't do it and then decides to adopt without adoption being presented as a lesser or a compromise. It's got an episode where the main character decides to get an abortion and actually goes through with it, doesn't regret it, and has her choice validated by the narrative and isn't demonized, while also representing the other side of that argument. Uh, It's got a main character who is an outspoken feminist and whose feminism is never the butt of any of the jokes about her. A character who is asexual and realizes this with an actual arc without him actually you know realizing he's an asexual and then being dropped as never mentioned again uh, a kid being raised by k polyanimous men who are consistently depicted as not good but fantastic parents and jessica bill leading an angry mob of fire worshiping cannibals yeah and another good thing about it that we haven't mentioned and this may be this may be one of the best things about this show is when it takes a stance on something, it never just gives one side of the argument. It gives it gives all sides of the argument. And it always does. No matter what that issue is, whether you can tell the writers agree or disagree with it, it always gives representation to both sides of whatever issue or thing that they're touching on. And ultimately, the point of the show isn't to touch on issues and touch on things that, you know, uh, as they come up, but they touch on everything from from, like you said, military entitlement to gun control, you know? Like, everything is touched on, but that's not the point of the show. And they do always give both that's, sides. The point of the show is just a character that, show. That, I think that's the, that's the important part here, is that even though it touches on these issues and it talks about them, the show isn't a commentary on society. It's a commentary on people. It's a character study, ultimately. It's a character study about a horse. Yeah. And his his gang of friends that clamor around him, or the people he runs along runs into along the way, and it's it's really neat. Um, and I guess we'll we'll get into spoilers now, and we'll do our last um, few minutes here. Um, uh, but yeah, just a little wrap up of that part. Watch the show if you haven't seen it. It is truly fantastic. Your life will be better for watching it. You may get like sad, but it's you know. The show makes you a better person. No, it really is one of the best shows I've ever seen. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. You've got Netflix. Just watch the show. Borrow your buddy's Netflix. If you <laughs> we know you, that should be the time. That, that's, that's how Netflix should advertise anything. We know you've got Netflix. Right. Watch it. <laughs> watch the show. It's also Netflix's first show to be in the syndication. So if you don't have Netflix, you can watch it on FX. Like it's, it's syndicated on normal TV. And you can watch this show. Watch it, um, it because it, it you will genuinely never see anything like this again in your life. So check it out if you haven't. Um, also, before we get into the spoiler talk, I'm going to go ahead and remind you guys. You can listen. If you're listening on Spotify, you can also listen on iTunes. You can listen on Deezer. Uh, where else can you listen? iTunes, Spotify, Deezer. Those may be the only three. Pla- oh, Google Podcast. You can listen there. Um, and go ahead and leave a review on this if you're listening on iTunes. And if you're listening anywhere else, just go ahead and subscribe and send this to your friends. And we'll, we'll the, those of you who are leaving now, we will see you next time. But those of you who are staying, we're going to talk about some spoilers. So the ending of this show, you were talking about the, uh, the view from halfway down is the episode you were talking about. Maybe my favorite episode from the entire series. Um, it's very possible. And it's so like I said, this is this is spoilers. This is heavy spoilers, so get out if you've if you haven't seen it. So the view from halfway down is this episode told from the perspective of Bojack's brain uh, hallucinating essentially as he is laying face down in a pool overdosed on drugs. 
uh, he, he took some pills and he, he got real drunk and he went for a swim and he passed out in the pool and he's laying face down in the pool and he, he knows he's laying face down in the pool from about halfway through the episode on and that is the second to last episode of your series. And it's just the, the, the entire episode is just him talking to dead friends and family, and it's that's it. That's really it. It's just him talking to dead friends and family, and all of them talking about death and how they lived their lives, and you know their regrets, their last meals, their how it feels when you finally pass, and it's moving. Right, and it's and and it does. It gives this this perspective of he he finds out about halfway through the episode that he's dying. And at first he's like, he's trying to fight it. And he he wants to get out of there and he wants to fix it. And, and, but he can't because there's nothing he can do about it because it's already done. And that's what everybody keeps telling him. And eventually by the end of the episode, he just gives up, you know? And, and, and then it cuts to the next episode. And that's when Why the Long Face starts playing the beautiful little piece of music. And turns out, uh, a family came in and, and saved his life and the family who now, you know, owns his house. And it's like, but that episode is just such a punch in the gut because it's like, wow. Uh, the, 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 the thing that always gets me uh, is, you know, the entire episode, they're kind of joking about it. It's, it's, I'd say it's relatively lighthearted until about halfway point. He, he takes a drink of water and goes, your water tastes like chlorine too. And then... They start, and then, you know, he talks about how he's had this dream before, and, uh, you know, this is the point where he usually wakes up, and then they go, you don't wake up this time, and, you know, they walk him out to this stage, and there's a door, there's just a door with blackness in it, and one by one, these characters who he's had dinner with, and who he, you know, who he knows and likes, they put on a show, you know, they, they perform an act, and then at the end, they just walk through this door into the blackness, and, uh, they, they say it the best where they're like, oh, Bojack, there's there's nothing on the other side. That's it. And it's just kind of, it's so, so gut-wrenching to just kind of hear someone talk about death like that. Like, there is no, you know, there's no afterlife. There's no next time. There is just death. And it comes and it will hit you. And then seeing Bojack try and run away from that as it engulfs everything. Uh, and at the end, you know, calling, calling word, say, is his best friend and saying... But you didn't pick up the phone, did you? No, I'm halfway across the country. I can't do anything. Uh, can I keep talking to you? And then just as all the blackness surrounds everything and the episode ends with a heart monster going flat. And it's just so, so gut-wrenching. There's this, there's a song. And it, and it happens very early on in the series uh, where Sarah Lynn is, she, it, it, I think it happens around season three, maybe. Um, Sarah Lynn and Bojack, they're shooting the first season of Horsin' Around. And Bojack starts working up the crowd. And he says, he, he leans into Sarah Lynn and he whispers, you know, these are, these, are, these are the people you have to impress. Work on impressing these people. Don't stop dancing. And then that's, that, that quote kind of echoes out throughout a lot of the rest of the series to the point where um, uh, Bojack's co-star in the show, Philbert, sings the number based off of it while he's high. Uh, he's high on opiates because it also deals with the opiate issue, which we didn't even touch about. So he's high on opiates and she starts singing this song called Don't Stop Dancing. Well, in, in this dream that he's having where um, Sarah Lynn is there because she's passed on, her performance on this stage is that song, Don't Stop Dancing, based off of the quote that Bojack wrote this song around in his head, based off of the quote that he told Sarah Lynn when she was an eight-year-old child. And it's like, where else are you going to find something like that, you know? And then the, the, the thing that also makes it heartbreaking is, um, I don't know if you realize this, but when Sarah Lynn sings it, so when, when Gina sings it in season five, uh, it's all very, you know, staged. She's in the top hat. There's a piano playing. It's all very, you know, staged up. Uh-huh. And then when Sarah Lynn sings it, it starts off with... It, it kind of goes through the progression of Sarah Lynn's life, where it starts off as this kind of kid star, normal-ish, then goes through the sort of edgy phase where she's twerking and it's all popped up. 
and then at the end it's just her on her own singing it somebody because she's dying and then that's it and it is it, it really is I, I don't i don't even know how to describe the show one of my favorite things because there are people who don't like the ending um it's more of a non-ending um than anything else and i can see why people wouldn't care for that personally i thought it was fantastic and uh, there's the reason even, i love it is because it, it represents like if you want to, you can choose to end it there and then have that be, you know, your ending. Right. But well, I think it's great that it represents the two sides. It represents one possibility of what could have happened and then the actuality of, of what did happen. Right. Well, they even say, Bojack Horseman even says earlier on in the show, he even says, endings are just, uh, endings were made up by Steven Spielberg to sell movies or something, which is a great quote, just by the way. <laughs> but But they do, they say that. And it's like, yeah, obviously this show's not going to have an ending because they're making fun of endings. Like, ah, it's so good. The, the show's entire point is that sometimes that real life doesn't have endings. You know, you have points where you leave off your friends and points where you might destroy a friendship or whatnot. But life, <laughs> I think, uh, I think Diane says it in the final episode, sometimes life's a bitch and you keep on living. Right, exactly. You know. I think that like that that shows what the show is about more than anything else. It, Sometimes it life sucks, but you keep moving on. Right, you got to keep going. It it sucks, but that doesn't mean it's over. You got to just you got to find your happiness. And and Diane was able to find her happiness. Mr. Peanut Butter, I think it's hilarious, not hilarious. It's it's interesting that you know Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane start out, and Mr. Peanut Butter's the the perky one, and Diane is dealing with bouts of depression and they're together but by the end of the show now mr peanut butter is dealing with bouts of depression and diane has <laughs> is dealing with getting over hers and she's found happiness and it's like like of course they would do that that makes sense and it's it really is it's so good we i don't know that there's much more we can say about about it uh and <laughs> And literally, the I think well, it's kind of weird thing that like this is one of Netflix opener shows. You know, it's one of the first original shows that they ever made, and it went on for nearly ten years. Yeah, I mean, seven seasons or, or seven years is a long time. Six seasons over the course of seven years. Um, it, I don't, dude. I don't know. I don't know how else to talk about it. It's, it is well, yeah, so good. It's, it's, you know, you could you could literally watch any scene, and you could break it down so much. Yeah, like, like I said, every every single thing has a purpose, and every single thing usually has a setup or is a payoff to something else. So the uh, the finale episode. This is a good example. There was a theory, uh, and one that I kind of bought into, and I don't know if I do still or not, but in, not in the finale episode. In the view from halfway down. After the credits roll, if you don't let the episode auto-jump, after the credits roll, and you get to the end of that episode, you hear Bojack's heart monitor start to beep. Just like in the, the beginning of the next episode, it doesn't... It's at the end of the episode before it directly feeding into the beginning of the next one. Which is so great! How often does that happen? Because that episode has silent credits, which is something I really respect. I love silent credits. So the episode... Actually, okay. So the, the reason behind silent credits is, as, as someone else pointed out, it's another thing to do with how good the writing is, in that the the final time they... So every episode actually ends with, back in the 90s, I was in a very famous TV show. And then the last two episodes don't have that, because on the episode before that, he signs away his rights for them to release Horsing Around without him. So he right. was no longer in a famous TV show. Right. So good! Well, and they always, they always do, or not always, they do variations on that song too. So I think, which is great, you know, because um, like there's one where it was back in the 2000s. I was in a, because he had a, he had an early 2000s sitcom and that kind of stuff. And so they do a lot of variations on that song. So I feel like if that was the only reason they would have done, um, done, if that was the only reason that it wasn't there, they would have done a variation instead of just having silent credits. I mean, I, I think silent credits are used as, as it's over, here's the impact. You know, movies with silent credits, you know, impact. 
you know, watch these credits and, and feel sad because bam, you know, and I think that's what the show is doing. And it's so good. And just, I mean, you guys I hopefully have seen it because we just spoiled everything. Um, so we really don't have to try and convince you to watch it, but it's like, it's just fun to it's talk just, about. At this point, it's just us geeking out over about it. But like, the show, the show hits me in ways that I don't think any other show really has. Like, I, I will often say that Bojack Horseman and Daredevil are probably my two favorite shows. Um, they're about as far as you can get from one another. Right. But uh, I, I love these shows to death. But even Daredevil doesn't hit me to the same degree that Bojack Horseman does. Like, uh, so my, my this, this might be a bit too personal or whatever, but uh, my family kind of has a history of Alzheimer's. In that, uh, I think both my parents had a relative who had it, uh, or one of them had two relatives who got it. And so we always talked about, you know, oh, there's a possibility we might get it, but we'll deal with that when it comes to it. So when Bojack talks to his mom in season four, who has Alzheimer's the entire season, he's like, can you, can you taste the ice cream? It, that always hits me so much harder, because it's just like, that's something that people actually have to go through. You have to well, make the choice to uh, humor, I'd say humor, sort of go with your parents in that, the regression that they're having. Well, and, and the thing about it is, heartbreaking. the thing about that is, is she's, she's, she's faking that. And we know, because that's the whole point of that, that kind of quote is because she doesn't, she doesn't eat ice cream. They make a point to mention that she doesn't eat ice cream. And so when Bojack's saying, can you taste the ice cream? She, she agrees and says yes, but she's never eaten ice cream. They make a point to show that from when she's a little girl, a child, she has never had ice cream. Boys. So she wouldn't know what ice cream tastes like. So so you can tell that she's just like, she understands the actions that she did to a degree. Um, and now is like, because that's the first time she recognizes Bojack, her son. And it's like... It, it's 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 beautiful and it's sad and it's haunting and that's just the show you know i mean that's all we can say about it it's it's a beautiful little show that we will never see anything like ever again and it makes me a little sad that we won't ever see something like it but it also makes me a little happy that we got to see it to begin with i uh i also just want to talk about one of my favorite things from season four is when uh bojack's mom's uh mom gets a lobotomy because she can't deal with the grief of her brother dying in the war. Yeah. And and they always say, like, they always have this thing where uh, her, where Beatrice's dad keeps on saying, oh, I have half a mind. It's just, oh, it's so, so gut-wrenching. That, that's how I describe the show, gut-wrenchingly good. Well, it is, yeah. It's, it's beautiful and it's haunting and it's... It's unlike anything I've ever seen or will ever see again. I genuinely don't think there will ever be a show as good as uh, as as good at all of the things that this show is as good at. I don't think we will ever see a show quite like this ever again. It'll go down in history yeah. as one of the greatest. Um, you know, I, I think it'll kind of pioneer that because you have those you have those movies that you think about where it's like like people talk about it for years and years and years and. You don't really have that with TV as much because TV has always been kind of dated and that kind of thing. But it's starting to pop up now. You've got your Breaking Bads. You've got your, you know, your your of House of Cards. You've got uh, Game of Thrones. All that. I think BoJack Horseman is going to be. I mean, it already is. It's roped into that, and it's a cartoon. I think about it's, a horse. it's definitely going to be a cult show. Well, I don't even think. I think it's already too popular to be a cult show. It's one of Netflix's top shows, top streamed. So I don't know that it's. I'm necessarily that i mean a lot of people are watching this show it's not like we're just discovering it and we're just this underground like yeah we we found bojack horseman first but but a lot yeah. of people have, have well, underground have... cannibals who kill zach braff right ha <laughs> zach braff uh what a good sport he actually was in the... <laughs> it was actually him voicing zach braff in that's my favorite thing is uh when um if they can get like the character actress then they just let the character actors, you know. I mean, Jessica Biel asked for her character to be a psycho. Um, it's great. But one of my favorite ones is when they can't get a character or an actor to appear as themselves, 
they always write their characters off in horrible ways. Like Andrew Garfield falls into the pit that is the January Halloween store. Yeah, uh, and for some others, they just don't ever have them talk. <laughs> like George Clooners doesn't ever talk. Bread Poot doesn't ever talk. Like he's there, but he doesn't say anything ever. <laughs> Man, the the fact good. that they're all the same person. Yeah, they're all the same face with different <laughs> details, which is great. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, we got to wrap this yeah. up. It's, it's, uh... The, the, the show is beautiful. The show is amazing. It's haunting. It's fantastic. It's, it's the most unique show I've ever seen. Right. And these people know that because they've seen it. So, uh, I don't know why we're still here. What are we talking about? Bojack Horseman. Uh, um, we're, talking about, we're talking about George Clooney's. Right. We're talking about Bread Poot and... Hollywood. <laughs> that, that's such a great gag, too. Hollywood. I, uh, I, I, you know, I think we're done seeing this character. I wouldn't be surprised if there is something else that comes out of this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a like short revival in a few years. I don't know that revival would be, you know, like something I'd like to see. I'd like to see an episode of Filbert. You know, like an actual episode of Filbert. The show that one where he, uh, the one where he chokes Gina. Yes, exactly. I want to see that episode of of Philbert because we've seen an episode of Horsing Around, sort of. Um, which is yeah, you, have the, you have the Christmas special, right? Which is great. Um, but but I wouldn't be surprised if we see some stuff start to pop up, capitalizing off the popularity of the show. Um, just some stuff about it, you know, like like to to see the entire feature-length film of horny unicorn would be great you know like like maybe give it a year and a half and then actually release that like that would be great and that's something that the writers of this show would do so i'm curious i, I, to I really see. i really hope that they keep um bojack's instagram and twitter going because they're fantastic yes no they tie into the show very well uh like i said i see something else from this show happening i don't know when i don't know what and i don't know how but i definitely see it see it happening all right we got to get out of here josh we've talked for far too long we didn't even mention ishtar this episode so what's the point of a podcast if you don't mention ishtar uh let's see if you are once again if you're listening on itunes if you want to go ahead and leave this a rating uh subscribe to the podcast on all the platforms and send it to your friends we would be greatly appreciated because we want more people than just you to listen um, and we want we want everybody to, to take a gander at this. So, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of us talking about BoJack Horseman. Don't know what we're going to talk about next time, but we will be here. With that one, goodbye. Back in the 90s, I-